Do you think that six-month rates at that same rate now is going to cause a crisis with debt about quadruple what it was back then? Yes! It will. Yeah. Well, hello there, my friends. Raf here from The End Game Investor with this week's Silver Report for Arcadia Economics. Last week, we talked about big moves of about 7 million ounces at the JP Morgan vault on the COMEX. Well, this week, there's also some big moves, not as big as 7 million, but still JP Morgan is up to something. We're going to take a look at that. This week, I wanted to focus in on short-term interest rates. Short-term interest rates are the interest rates that really jack up the interest payments on the national debt because most of the government's near-term financing is reliant on short-term interest rates. We know that six-month interest rates, for example, have reached the 2006 peak from two interest rate hiking cycles ago, the hiking cycle that led to the 2008 financial crisis and the collapse of the housing market. Do you think that six-month rates at that same rate now is going to cause a crisis with debt about quadruple what it was back then? Yes! Yeah, it will. We're going to look at interest payment on the national debt in dollars versus interest payment on the national debt in gold and silver. And while it's going up in dollars, it has been trending down in gold and silver, which just tells you that the gold and silver value of the interest on the national debt has been plummeting since 2000. And we're going to go into the issue of gold and silver miners. This is a question that came up at the Endgame Investor by a subscriber of mine. And I thought I should answer this publicly because it is an important issue, especially among the controversial topic of investing in mining stocks. And I hope to answer that question for you all this week and give you some foundational reasoning behind it. And with high interest rates on the short end of the curve in the treasury bill category with short maturities, we have record auctions in that paper, which means the government is racking up a lot of interest payments with the debt ceiling deadline coming up later this year. And the question of higher interest rates tending to strengthen the US dollar and hurt gold and silver explained in a logical way until there is an inflection point. And I'll explain exactly what that inflection point is. Exactly when that inflection point happens, I can't say, but it's gonna be soon and it's going to happen because logic dictates that it must. And so first things first, let's tackle this question of mining stocks, gold and silver mining stocks. And that brings to mind our sponsor of this week's Silver Report, Fortuna Silver Mines, symbol FSM, and they fit into this argument just as well. There's two charts here from Gold Charts or Us, and they show two different time periods. One is between 1928 and 1939. And you have here the gold price, right? It was $21 an ounce. Uh, the, and uh, then it was moved to 35 by the Roosevelt administration, moving up to 35 over here. That's the gold price. In the black, you have the Dow Jones. And in the blue, and I think the green is, or whatever that color is, I'm not sure, uh, that those are mining stocks. The blue is the main mining stock, Homestake Mining. Uh, and the other is the Dome Mines. These are both gold and silver mining stocks at the time. Now you see here, before we go into that chart in depth, we have here the period of 1970 to 1985. Uh, so you have here the gold price in the this color, whatever it is. Let's say it's red. Or, I'm sorry, I'm colorblind. I can't really handle this stuff. Um, but anyway, you have a very 
a different sort of chart pattern. You don't have the homestake mining in blue, obviously outperforming gold in the 1970-1985 period, right? So the question is, what period are we in now? Are we in the period of 1928 to 1939 when gold is revalued from 21 to 35 and in a very obvious way, homestake mining and dome mines uh, outperformed the Dow Jones handily, easily, uh, no question. So my contention is that we are in this period, 1928 to 1939. Why? Because the, the dollar was still on a gold standard. The gold to dollar ratio was revalued because of the inflation of the 1920s, yes. And in order to end that inflation, they revalued the dollar to gold ratio to $35. And that kept the dollar as a hard currency, at least to foreign central banks, if not to domestic Americans, they, they couldn't redeem. But anyway, the reason that I think we are in this period and not in 1970-1985 period is that at the end of the day, when the end game strikes, and the dollar is collapsing in gold and silver terms, the only way to save it is going to have to be to reintroduce a hard ratio between dollar and gold, or the dollar will be completely destroyed. This is what they did here. And since they hadn't inflated as much as we've inflated now, all they had to do was revalue from 21 to 35. That kept the dollar as a hard currency. And from there, the mining stocks really took off. Here, there was a different scenario. Here, uh, Volcker was trying to save the dollar by raising interest rates to about 20%. And in, in doing that, he was able to maintain the dollar as a fiat currency and keep the inflationary system going. As long as the inflationary system itself was still intact, then you can inflate asset prices and the rush to gold is stopped. The rush to gold and silver is stopped. And that's why mining, st mining stocks didn't really take off during that period as gold and silver did the bullion. But now, because I think they're going to have to re-index the dollar to gold, let's say at 35,000 to one and lop off three zeros, that's just one conceivable uh, notion I could think of. They're gonna have to keep the dollar as a hard currency. In order to keep the dollar alive, they're going to have to reset it at a hard ratio. And that's why we will be in the 1928 to 1939 environment here, where I think that gold and silver mining stocks will outperform bullion. That doesn't mean that you should only own gold mining stocks. Obviously, you should have your bullion also. But whatever your risk tolerance is, having a percentage of gold mining stocks in your portfolio is, I believe, a wise move. And so is having a percentage of that mining portfolio being Fortuna Silver Mine, symbol FSM, our lovely sponsor. Anyway, let's continue the silver report with what's going on at the JP Morgan Vault. These are the vault statistics from March 7th, activity date March 6th. We see here another huge move by the JP Morgan Chase Vault of moving 1.8 million ounces out of registered and into eligible, meaning they were moved in for sale uh, uh, last week, part of the 7 million ounce move. And now they're moved off the market back into eligible storage. And in addition to that, we see over 1 million ounces being moved out of the vault completely on March 6th. So what do I think happened here? I'm not sure, but it could be that a huge amount of silver went from JP Morgan's hands into a private client's hands, which is now moving that silver out of the vaults. It is impossible to tell exactly what's happening because we don't know who's belongs to what's or whatever, but big things are happening in the JP Morgan vault. And I think that has a lot to do with silver's cheap price. Next thing I wanted to share is the six month T bill rate chart going back to 2000. 
uh, we see here that we are at 5.32%. And this really started, it was really rocketed even more uh, two days ago when Powell announced that he was uh, likely to raise rates by another 50 basis points instead of 25. Anyway, we have hit the 2006 high. You can see how highlighted it. It's 5.32% here, the high of July 10th, 2006. And from there, that was the top of the rate hiking cycle. That was as much as the economy could stand back then when debt was about a quarter the size it was now. And uh, yeah, we're at the same rates now. So this is going to pop. There is a certain amount of extra dollars that are still in the tank from the 2020 money pump that's not going to last much longer. And this very high interest rates on the short end of the curve is really pushing up the amount of uh, interest payments on the national debt. And it's going vertical, as you will see in the next chart here. Interest payments on the national debt in dollar terms. Why in dollar terms? I'm going to show you in gold terms in a minute. But here... Uh, you see, this is the same parabolic chart that we see in almost everything, every debt-related uh, metric that we come across these days. But really, since 2022, we're starting to see uh, this really go vertical. Uh, because, you know, around here, in this area, when the interest payments on the national debt uh, were stable, debt was still rising. But while the debt was rising, interest rates were very, very low, especially from 2008 over here during this recession to about 2015, 2016, when interest rates were pinned at basically zero. So if interest rates are pinned at zero, the interest that you're paying in the national debt is not going to increase. And we see it stayed stable around here, except now the short-term rates where most of the government's immediate financing uh, comes from, those rates have now skyrocketed from zero to about 5% on average going out to one-year maturities. So now we're seeing in dollar terms, at least, the interest on the national debt really start to go a lot higher, a lot faster. Now we're about, we're above 200 billion. I think we're about 220 billion is gonna keep going up. Check out this interesting chart. I could jiggered myself. This is the gold value of those interest payments. Now we see something very interesting here. This is 1971 when the gold window was closed by Nixon. This is the amount of uh, gold ounces of interest payments. So this is real money terms for the interest payments on the national debt. In 1971, those interest payments started to get really, really high. And because uh, debt investors, treasury debt investors were demanding their money in gold, which was the whole problem, which is why Nixon closed the gold window in the first place, that is when the uh, he closed it and then the gold value of those interest payments started to fall. Why? Because the value of gold started to rise. And so the dollar value of those interest payments started to fall to uh, what were record lows in 1979, 1980. And then we all remember this era of the early, the late 1990s, early 2000s as the time of fiscal uh, discipline, the Clinton budget, balanced budget, surpluses, et cetera, and all that other propaganda. But in gold terms, the interest on the debt was at all-time record highs in ounces. So uh, that was a big problem. And from there, we saw that the uh, gold value of the interest payments on the debt started to really plummet into the 2011 high here, almost to the 1979-1980 low. Uh, and now we're still around that low. But basically, the point is that once interest payments in real money terms get too high, the market itself forces the value of gold higher so that the value of those dollars, those interests on debt goes lower and lower and lower. And once it hits zero, that is all, another way to categorize hyperinflation when the interest on your debt is worthless in real money terms. And that is definitely where we are heading. Now, the next thing I want to show you is that the amount 
of short-term debt that is being issued is breaking new records at almost every auction now. We have here the auction, treasury auction results for the last six-month auction. You see here that a total of $51.4 billion, $51 billion of this paper was auctioned off at an interest rate, investment rate of 5.2%. Now at six months paper, that means that that interest has to be paid in six months. This is not a 30 year or a 10 year treasury yield, treasury where you can lock in a low rate for 10 or 30 years. And even if floating rates go higher, you're still paying that initial rate on that bond. This is interest payments that are going, that are going higher and higher because the debt has to continually be rolled over every six months or every three months, whatever the case may be. Now, we're still in a situation where every time Powell says he's going to raise rates higher and faster, gold and silver sell off. Why is that the case and when does that end? Well, it's the case for the simple logical reason that as long as debts can be paid, as long as there are enough dollars to pay debts, then the higher the interest rate, the more dollars are needed to service those debts. So that means that there are more demands for more dollars because you need to stay in business. You need to keep servicing your high debt levels. And as long as you can keep doing that without defaulting, there's going to be more and more demand for the dollars. That means the dollar is going to go up and people are going to sell gold and silver in order to finance the dollars they need to keep their debt not defaulted on. However, when the defaults do start, that itself lowers the demand for dollars because once you default, you don't need the dollars anymore. You're already out of business. And so when is the point when the metals start to rise with interest rates as they did in the 1970s and 1980s, that is the point when the defaults come, when the financial crisis comes. And then there are only two options at that point. Either the Fed reverses and dumps dollars everywhere, at which point I think the US dollar is going to collapse in gold and silver terms or in real terms, and that will be the moonshot endgame, as I say. Or the Fed can do nothing and allow the defaults to happen as those defaults themselves lower the demand for dollars and destroy its value relative to gold and silver. Either way, it doesn't matter what the Fed does. Once the defaults start, once the financial crisis starts, that is when the metals truly shine. Until then, while debts can continue to be serviced, at least nominally and in theory, then we're still in the current paradigm, but it will reverse as it always does. There are a lot of negative emotions right now in the gold and silver community, understandably. I'm also feeling them, but emotions are a human thing. They come and they go. And if you look at a chart of silver, every time there is a crater and at every low, emotions are always at extremes. But then you look at the chart retrospectively and you say, oh yeah, well, I should have really bought at that low. How do you know you're at a low? Well, you don't know exactly where the low is, but the more extremely negative emotions get, the closer you are to that low. The only question is, how many more rate hikes can the economy sustain before the next financial crisis? How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? Let's find out. One, two, three, three. I don't think it's really that many and the next one could trigger it. This is Rafi of the Endgame Investor with this week's Silver Report for Arcadia Economics. Keep stacking, stay grounded, and I'll see you guys next week. How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? The world may never know.